Paul, Paul raised that in Galatians. He said to Peter, if you eat with the Jews when they come down and when the Gentiles are here, you discriminate. He said, he didn't say you're not acting according to affirmative action. He said you're not acting according to the gospel. So the gospel's message is to bring Jews and Gentiles, black, white, together in one body and then live that out in love. You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast, a place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down. Thanks for listening to Upside Down. I'm Kayla Craig, and I'll be your host for this special episode where we have a very special guest, and we're so excited to share it with you. And I'm here with Lori Harris, Christy James, and Shannon Evans. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for joining in, guys. We are loving reading your feedback on social media and on iTunes, and we really appreciate especially those of you who have taken a minute to leave a review on iTunes for us because it helps people find us and it makes them more eager to listen. And so if you could just take a minute to go to iTunes and to leave a quick review, I think it's pretty easy to do either on your mobile device or on or from a computer. And I think, Christy, did you have some yeah. reader feedback or listener feedback you were going to give? I do. And really, the reviews, is, they're just kind of a win-win. I mean, it's nice to read these things about us, but we love... <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the bonus. So what we really like is being able to make it easier for people to find us. So the first one I was going to share, the username is C2 and EU, and the EU does stand for the European European Union, I'm guessing, because... I'm assuming she says, this podcast is what my heart needed. I'm in a place where like-minded community is hard to find, especially especially with women. So listening to this podcast sounds like me and my like-minded friends back in the States. It's mm. full of honest conversations and thoughts and real emotions about relevant topics that are hard but need to be talked about. Thank you, ladies. You bring light in the world by bringing the Lord's truth to the surface. So that's encouraging. And then there's wow. another one from... This is a cute name. It's the little, it says the little mermaid makes me think of the little mermaid. And she says, I randomly stumbled across this podcast a week ago and now I'm hooked. I love these women and their challenging, thought provoking, Christ centered conversations. And I think we say this every week. It's also a little bit strange to read these because it's really encouraging, but I know most of the time we feel like we don't know what we're doing. And so we don't know what we're doing. And so, you know, in doing this, we're kind of stepping out. We're trying to be brave and we want other people to be able to do that and have these conversations in their context. So it's encouraging, mm-hmm. but we also want to make sure you know that you can do this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today we have a really special episode. Normally we have all five of us. We don't have Lindsay today because she is, you guys should all follow her online because she is just doing amazing ministry in her local context. And if you want to learn more about us, you can go to UpsideDownPodcast.com and check out where you can follow all of us. And I definitely recommend seeing what Lindsay's been up to these past couple weeks because she's doing some really cool stuff. So anyway, she's busy and isn't able to record this episode, but it's a really special one because we normally have all five of us kind of sharing 
our hearts on a topic and we don't normally do interviews, but every once in a while we want to bring someone in who's really special. And I feel like we're really starting off big. <laughs> don't you guys agree? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. We have Dr. John Perkins and I had the the privilege of interviewing him in person actually. And I'm so, so excited to share this interview with all of you. He is a civil rights activist, a pastor, a Bible teacher, author, philosopher, community developer. He's 86 years old mm-hmm. and he has so much to teach all of us. So I'm really, really excited. I want to give you guys a background if you've never heard of Dr. Perkins. He was born into a sharecropping family, actually. And when he was 17, his older brother was actually murdered by a town marshal. So he fled where he was brought up in Mississippi. In 1960, he accepted Christ and returned to his boyhood home to share the gospel of Christ with those still in his neighborhood. And he just played a huge role in the civil rights movement. He provided leadership. And Lori, you kind of mentioned he, some people might not know who he is because he had a little bit of a different style than maybe Martin Luther King or, you know, Malcolm Malcolm X. X. Yeah, definitely different than (laughs) Malcolm X. Do you want to share about that at all? I don't know all the details. I just know to sit at his feet and listen to him teach. And I think he was a quiet revolutionary. He was very intentional in his own community, with his own family. And he's incredible. I I cannot even put words to who this man is and who he was. And it's just an honor that we get to sit at his feet during his lifetime. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And his support and leadership in the civil rights led to harassment, imprisonment, beatings. And so hearing his perspective about what he's lived through is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he's he's one of the leading voices to come out of the civil rights movement. He's internationally known as an author, a speaker, a teacher on issues of racial reconciliation and Christian community development. And as he'll mention in our interview, he only has a third grade education. Wow. Uh, but yeah. he has guest lectured at Stanford, Harvard, Oxford. Um, he's received countless honorary doctorates from multiple universities. He's written, I believe, over nine books and served on multiple boards, including the boards of World Vision, Prison Fellowship, a lot. So he, he knows what this he's is talking about. I know. I know. <laughs> like a 10 minute biography. It's amazing. I know. And honestly, this is only scratching the surface. So. Yeah. So I, I'm so excited for you guys to listen, grab something to drink, cozy up and just listen to Dr. John Perkins. And we'll be back after the interview to kind of walk you through kind of our heart and what, what stood out to us in our conversation. So enjoy. So with me today is Dr. John Perkins, and I just have to say it is absolutely an honor to get to speak with you today. So thank you so much for being willing to talk with us, Dr. Perkins. Well, this is it's a joy for me to be here, as I told a student. My, my objective now at 86 is to be encouraging of this generation mm-hmm. and trying to inform and encourage them to make this 
paradigm shift as quick as we can mm-hmm. because it's urgent. Our world of change and some of the old solutions are now past. Mm-hmm. And I think this young generation wants to see that within the church. Absolutely. And so it's, um, and I have lived out pretty much in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's a joy. And the joy of seeing them uh, respond Mm -hmm. and the the kind of question that people are asking down through the years, more theological question, Mm -hmm. was sort of asked in order to agree or disagree. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new area. How do we do it? Right. It's a whole right. new deal. Right. Uh, they see that we got to do justice. Mm-hmm. They see that we got to love mercy. And before we had it in our head, but we didn't talk about how do we do it. Mm-hmm. That's the question that right. Jane, that I, that I, Micah asked, mm-hmm. he said, he has shown the old man what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justice mm-hmm. and to love righteousness and to walk humbly before our God. So they're asking wonderful questions these days. Mm-hmm. And so where have you felt in your years of ministry, where is the church doing a good job of this? Well, it, it, it's all over. Uh, I think we can see it much clearer in the urban and in the poor communities. Right. Um, um, uh, and so, but that's been scattered within the church, like the, the Christian Reformed Church. You know, I helped to start uh, with Justice for All here 30 or so years ago. Right. And they're doing a good job, and they found ways to do it mm-hmm. all around the world, mm-hmm. you know, with the wheelchair service and all those things. Uh, around the world. And so it's going, I think, some of the Southern organization, the, the Christian Reformed Church is not a Southern organization. Mm-hmm. That's why we could lay heavy into it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we could also get them involved in their own brotherhood in South Africa because that was an apartheid system right. that was a spinoff from them. They was brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So we could confront them. And, mm-hmm. of course, that was the joy of doing it. So it has been scattered. Now, you ask me now, where the energy right now? The energy now is in uh, planting multicultural churches. Mm. It is in what we call near suburbia. Mm. The churches that got resources mm-hmm. is saying, and because what happening, blacks are almost like integration is different from reconciliation. Right. You know, you know yes. And yep. so you got to integrated churches. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, blacks done moved out there. For whatever reason, we still like good teaching. Mm-hmm. And reforms still have good theological mm-hmm. stuff. All with all of us is how do we live it out? Right. We can have a good theology. Right, but if you're not living it out, right. yeah. But 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 some of the churches then is getting that taste of reconciliation by the near near middle class blacks are moving out there mm-hmm. and that kind of and they then plant these churches, mm-hmm. brought this life there. Mm-hmm. We got energy and resources. 
We got intelligent resources. We got human resources, which is the most important, going to help the poor. Right. You know, we need ideas. Right. We need training. We need tutoring. Mm -hmm. We need those kind of things. And we need jobs. Mm -hmm. Those are things that the suburbia church and others have. Right. They're they're the owners. And and so that's what the, that's what the action is at. And man and and then there is the need for citywide net, networks that done discover those neighborhoods that are pathological wrong where the crime and the violence is at and to identify them, but to come up with ways to turn the whole city onto that, mm. to see that in the city's wealth and health, we got to deal with this. Right. And that we got a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what I'm trying to do within my life. Right. Um, I'm, I'm trying to say, they asked me then, what should we do? And I said, there's a lot we got to do. I don't know all that's got to be done, but whatever it is, we got to do it together. Yes, amen to that. You, you, yeah, you, we yeah. got to do it together. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you can't get out of it. When a black child asks the question, "Does Black Lives Matter?" Mm -hmm. That's all of our responsibility, right? Because life is God. Amen. Yeah, and that was actually one of my questions. So, yeah. why is Black Lives Matter important to the church? Oh, because today? all lives matter. But don't you say all lives matter as a comeback to the question. Right. That ain't no answer to no question Amen. they're asking. Mm -hmm. Because they feel that it don't matter. Mm -hmm. They're experiencing it. Mm -hmm. They read the Constitution. Yeah. They read the, why do we need a civil rights bill? Mm -hmm. In the light of the Constitution, mm -hmm. we hold these truths to be self-evident. Why, why do we need Brown versus education if we say one nation under God? with liberty and justice for all and create an apartheid state mm -hmm. and say then that and continue to say separate but unequal the what the Brown versus Board of Education said, separate create inferior people. Right, right. You can't be unequal separate. Mm -hmm. You you understand? Mm -hmm. Because one is superior to the other one. Mm -hmm. You know, and when we think of Race in America, we think of black and white, and blacks have been demon, demonized. Mm. We were made niggers. Mm. We were made permanent. Mm. We had to go separate here. We couldn't eat here. Mm. We have stereotyped type to, mm. in society. Mm -hmm. It's so bad now we got to take it out of our books. We can't talk about it. Mm. It'd be good if we take our kind of race out of books. Mm -hmm. It's good we can say, don't forget about racial reconciliation because it makes an assumption that there is many races. Right. There's only the human race. Right. So, so it's error right there. Right. We are beating the wind. Mm. We are beating something that's not reality in God's intention. One nation, mm. one race, he blew into Adam the breath the breath of life, mm -hmm. and human become living soul. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So our philosophy, we done crippled it around our racist culture. Mm -hmm. you, you know, mm -hmm. and so it's easy then for us to race bait and do all, well, we got to take it out of the main thought of the humanity mm -hmm. because the humanity bears the life of God. Mm -hmm. you, you know, yeah. so, 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 but we had a time when those questions are being asked. Mm -hmm. They're yes. being asked, you know, what is the, what is the Iraq wall? Well, we had to put guns between the people within their own nation. Mm -hmm. 
the hole in my point. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. in, in, in there. And then we're going over there getting bogged down right. in that mm-hmm. thing. We ought to say that this is wrong too. Mm-hmm. This is wrong too. Right. But we're accommodating uh, that we are different human mm-hmm. based on the color of our skin, mm-hmm. up on the basis of our religion. Mm-hmm. Religion was to be for all people everywhere, particularly the Christian religion. So you have mentioned that godly leadership is serving. So how have you seen that play out in your own life? And there will be lots of uh, maybe people who are leading in their own churches. What do you have to say to them moving forward as they're ministering in 2016? What, what do church leaders need to hear you say? I, I think leaders need to know their mission mm-hmm. and that God is a leadership God. Mm-hmm. And that leaders need to know that the joy and the credibility and the success of their leadership is the qualitative growth of the ones that they are leading. Mm. It's not for our own grandizement. Right. It's for the growth and development of the land. And so we now lead for our own glory. Mm. We lead for our own fame. Mm. And the Bible says all of our fame is like grass and all of our self-importance is like the flowers of grass. Mm. The grass withers and the flowers fade away. Mm. But the word of the Lord is how, what do we think of Jesus? Mm. What is our vision of Jesus? Mm -hmm. Is our vision of him a racist or bigot? Mm. Or is our vision of Jesus and others bear his image right. and right. his likeness in the world. Right. We got it wrong. Mm-hmm. We got it wrong. And the end of this relationship is love and friendship. Mm-hmm. Love and friendship. Christians and believers become a friend of God. Right. And then it, now we come up with a little division. Love your enemy. Mm-hmm. That's the mission. The mission is to know God, to know ourselves, and to make him known. Mm. What we know about ourselves first, that we was created in his image, but Adam damaged that, that makes us sinners. And so we need to know that we all are broken. Mm -hmm. And we're sort of broken equally. Mm -hmm. And that broken then tends to say, I want to be lifted above the broken and and that they are not as human as us. Mm, right, right. You know what I'm saying? And so we don't stop at being eco. Mm. We stop at being superior mm. to others mm-hmm. in life. And so then we have this hierarchy of pride. Mm. And that's what racism is. That's what bigotry is, is that I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. I'm better than you. For some some kind of reason, right? So we got to come back and get it straight at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We got to get it straight at the creation, and then we got to understand that justice is a stewardship management issue. Mm. Justice is how we use the economy that belongs to God. Mm-hmm. How we use that 
to help elevate those who are in poverty. Mm -hmm. And we have a responsibility, not just a charitable responsibility. We need that too. Right. But we need some way of creating work right. and opportunity mm -hmm. for those people in society. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, I think we're moving there. I think there's some breakthrough. Okay. I think when we communicate that, I think we can make people see that. Mm. And so I think this young folk is that our young folk wants to, to, to come back into the city. They want a different, they want to be in a place where black, white, Jewish, and Gentile, we want to be in a place we can entertain each other. Mm. We should take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. We used to be running from each other, mm. suburbanizing. Mm -hmm. and, and gating ourselves off. Yeah. And I'm not totally condemning that. I'm not totally, but I'm talking about the movement that's coming. Mm -hmm. that I'm not fighting that battle. Right, but, right. Uh, so know. what is the one thing that you would like to tell the church in 2016 as someone who has lived and led as much as you have? Uh, let's, uh, let's explain the gospel again. Mm. Let's look at it again. Mm -hmm. Not another gospel, but what did the original gospel say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the what do it mean to say Paul meant when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Right. Now let's get that straight. Mm -hmm. And there are some folks are saying that we have holes in our gospel. Mm -hmm. We have holes in our gospel. Paul Paul raised that in Galatians. Mm -hmm. He said to Peter if you eat with the Jews when they come down and when the Gentiles are here, you discriminate. He say, he didn't say you're not acting according to affirmative action. Mm -hmm. He said you're not acting according to the gospel. Mm -hmm. So the gospel's message is to bring Jews and Gentiles, black, white, together mm -hmm. in one body mm -hmm. and then live that out in love. That's the gospel. Right, right. Yeah. And so a, a lot of Christians affirm we have to love our neighbor, but they might not know where to literally start. What would you tell them? I, I, I think loving the person next door would be a pretty good start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we have fellowship together. Right. You, 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 you know, we have to end them, end them into our uh, uh, patio. We don't have porches anymore. Mm -hmm. The car is parked on the porch. Mm. So we we are on the back. So we have to talk with our neighbor because we don't really know our neighbor, mm -hmm. you, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that thought was more gentle than that. Mm -hmm. that. That thought itself was the people that was a different ethnic. Mm. That was a Sumerian, mm -hmm. the people he hated. Mm -hmm. And that was the superior religious people who were the Jews. Mm -hmm. You know, they took that. Because Abraham and Abraham's seed, they took that as a natural superiority. Mm. They took that grace and that blessing. That blessing wasn't just for them. That blessing was to be shared with the whole world. Mm. You, you Amen. Know? Yeah. So there was an advantage. But how do we share that advantage right. with right. others? How do we love our neighbor mm -hmm. as we love ourselves? Mm -hmm. And that's the the real idea of the gospel. Right. So it's 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 really learning the old it's it's tell me the old story. Hmm. Tell me the old old story. Mm -hmm. Will be my theme in glory. Right. To tell the old old story of Jesus and his love. And I think young folks are getting it. Mm -hmm. 
Young folks are getting it. And, 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 and that love, we're getting it in music. Mm. These young folks are recasting those old hymns. Mm. That was beautiful. Yeah. We're recasting them. I think what we got to do now, and we got to do even more now, we got to get a language of love of each other. I'm suffering from that mm. every day. Mm. I'm suffering with trying to love my family more. Mm. I'm, try, I'm suffering with trying to love the people I come in contact with. Right. And, and really, people are looking better to me. Mm. People are looking beautiful. Mm. And, and the different, I feel like I'm winning mm. when I'm speaking to somebody who is different from me. Mm. I feel like I'm winning when I'm being kind to somebody who is different from me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. trying to do this. I want to do this. And I, I live with the fact that I can't do it as well as I want to. Mm. Mm. It, it's not easy for me to get people to say when I say to people, your interest is my main focus. Mm. They don't really be, they think I'm trying to explore them. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, but your interest is my well-being mm. because uh, uh, that's what the Bible said. That's what that's what Jeremiah said. In the strange land, mm. build houses, get married. Exchange good, right? Increase the good of the community because in your progress and success, we all succeed together. Mm-hmm. And this crazy thing now, and many uh, poor white folk are thinking now that somebody else is taking what it is. These Mexicans are taking our stuff. This affirmative action that give black folks a chance is taking. No, so we need to take our nation back. Mm-hmm. We take our nation back. You know, whose nation? Mm-hmm. I like our nation. Mm-hmm. I like one nation on America. Right. I like that we're American uh, together. Mm-hmm. But we're committed to being that kingdom reflection. Right. One nation under God. We're liberty. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That should stop us from fighting each other. Mm-hmm. That should expand our resources. Mm-hmm. That should make us make better schools all over. You know. So we we I think we had a we had a a good place. I I don't want to just go around with the rest of my life beating people over the head. Mm-hmm. I I I, I want to go around thanking God mm-hmm. for where He had brought me from mm-hmm. as a third grader dropout. What he have brought me to, mm. I want to thank him for that, and then I want to say I want to I want to try to love somebody, mm. and I and I people are matching me with that. I could tell stories about that. Mm. People are matching me. Mm. Uh, when you start to play in the game of love, people want to play it with you. Mm. You know, so that's I, a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would love to know, as a man of God and a man of faith, what is the one prayer that you find yourself going back to? Oh, Lord. Let me <laughs> tell you what it is. I need thee. John Perkin needs thee. Every hour, I need thee. I think it's these stones in the flesh, these patterns that I broke up, those culture patterns that tell me I ought to hate you mm. because of what you've done to me. You know, uh, so it's really me trying to live this love. But it's also trying to understand the, uh, that, that suffering 
for others become vicarious and redemptive. Mm. And so I'm looking for my prayer is, give me joy in love. Mm. Give me joy in pain. Let me find that joy in my struggle of obedience mm. to God. That's my, let me find it in my fears. Mm. Let me reduce it. I have fears. Mm -hmm. I have fears in life. And so I need God. I think that's, and I turn really to the Psalms. I think read David got so many Psalms. He committed such an evil sin. Mm -hmm. He got forgiven, mm -hmm. but he felt the pain of it. Right. He felt the scars of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been forgiven, but I feel some of the scars mm -hmm. of pain, mm -hmm. of scars of other folks sin against me and I don't want to be victim. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be victim. I want to be redemptive. I know I ought to be redemptive. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the one of the things is that uh, uh, people ask me all the time, what do you regret most? I think there came a time that I could speak in a way, but particularly after the Brandon beating, that uh, white people was sort of mystified that I would love them mm. after the brutality. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I took advantage of that enough. Mm. And so I feel a little guilty. But I'm trying to turn that guilt into more love. Mm. I see poor white people's pain. Mm. You, know, you know, I see in my state the poor people, they got, they be, they got uh, methadone. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, they're sort of Jerry Springer's people, mm -hmm. like on TV, mm -hmm. like we're on TV like that. Mm -hmm. our, we're selling our misery to others mm -hmm. in the life. Mm -hmm. You know, so my passion is we can get away from that. And they're afraid if I progress, I'm taking a job from them. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. in life. You, 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 you know, so I'm... I'm uh, uh, that's where I'm at in life. Mm -hmm. It brings pain. Mm -hmm. It brings pain. But I want to find joy right. in doing that. Right. So what do you hope that others uh, glean from your ministry and your life's work? Well, I, I, I think that our job is to try to reflect Jesus and hope they find some reflection a little bit in the way I try to live, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, uh, that which you've heard of me among the witness, Paul says to Timothy, that commit unto faith for men and women who can reflect that, mm -hmm. reflect Jesus in their life, mm -hmm. and to understand that the Christian life is a living out of God's life. Right. It's it's God's living His life out through us. Mm -hmm. And what do I turn to in this misery? I turn to the Psalms. Mm. Okay. Because I think David never got over it. Mm. You know, and search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Mm -hmm. Try me and know my thoughts. Mm. And see if there be any secret sins in me. Mm. Forgive me, Lord, and then lead me into the path of righteousness. And so I think our hearts need to be searched. What is our motives? Mm. Why do we do things? Mm -hmm. And is my motives right? I think that's why I'm at at the end of this life. You know, I'm you know uh, I know I was over ambitious. Mm. 
I'll, I'll try to turn it into gratitude. I'm trying to turn my ambition into gratitude. Mm. You, you know, you know, without over gratitude, I mean, I over ambition. So I want God to judge my ambition. Mm. Judge my ambition is is you my in. I write when I sign a book. I always write, and I was looking for what word that I could say on all of my books. You know, when I sign them, and I, of course I do uh, Galatians two twenty. That's my life word. What I say, love and respect. Mm. Yeah. That when I, I'm saying, I don't have no secret motive in talking to you. Mm-hmm. You are my objective. Mm. I respect you. Yeah. I'm not trying to be deceitful. Right. I don't, and I think respect is it. I respect you. Mm-hmm. I respect you. Sometimes women will come and assume that I'm a male chauvinist like everybody else. Mm. And I like to tell them, I, I respect you. Mm. So what, res- would you, what would you tell people who maybe are afraid to speak out against injustice, who maybe are afraid to take a step and love someone who is unlike them? How would you encourage them or, or propel them forward? Um, I, think it's, I think it's looking at our competition. I think it's looking at my arrogance and looking at their arrogance and trying to somehow or another uh, lower that, mm. lower that. I think we need others in our life. God made us the steward of life and made us the steward of of others. Mm. You know, so so I think my selfish ambition destroys me. My selfish ambition destroys me. I, I think St. Francis had it right. Love is a gift you receive. Mm-hmm. And um, and you have to receive it, though. Right. But it becomes a gift. Mm-hmm. And so I, and, 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 and Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Mm-hmm. And St. Francis said, you don't seek to be loved. You love. Mm-hmm. You give it. I think those are the things that, in some kind of shape, I'm always trying to do. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to say, but people don't believe you. You love them. So that's hard. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I'm trying to work on my language of love. Mm-hmm. I think Paul called that receiving each other. Mm-hmm. Don't judge me. Mm-hmm. Don't judge them. Mm-hmm. Don't judge them what they do. Uh, don't judge the gay. Don't judge the homosexual. Don't judge their important. Don't judge their worth. If you don't like their behavior, don't judge them. Don't judge them. You know, I get nervous sometimes when people say almost like they're running them out of the church. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. It's the yeah. saddest, the saddest Passes the scripture to me in the Bible is it that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Mm. Now, I'm going to drive you out. Mm. But Cain was arguing with the Lord about that. Yeah. Lord, you're driving me out. Mm. Anybody who finds me going to kill you. I'm not going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let it happen. I still love you. Mm. I still love you. I still love you. So we got to be careful how we are judging. I got to learn this. 
I got to learn this and try to practice it mm. in these last... I'm getting close. Mm. You know, I'm getting close. And, uh, and some people say, uh, how do I get the courage to do that? Well, I'm grateful for 86 years. And if I should fail now trying to do it, I didn't have much life to lose. So I don't have a lot to lose. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. not, no, I'm not going to do it reckless. Right. I'm not going to do it uh, boastful. Mm. But I really... I, love is the final fight, right? Love is the final fight. <laughs> love is the final fight. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to... And it's all right. It's, yes. hard. it's a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's worth fighting for. Amen, it's amen. It's worth fighting for. Well, Dr. <laughs> Perkins, I just... Your humility, and I mean, you are just exemplifying Jesus to me right now. So thank you for blessing me and being part of this conversation. I'm very, very, very thankful. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So two years ago, Thad and I had the opportunity to travel to New Bern, North Carolina, to hear Dr. John Perkins speak at a what we thought was going to be like this huge conference. We're a part of Christian Community Development Association. And so we're partnered with that organization, so they help give us support for urban development and how to reach our neighbors for Christ and how to serve our city and how to mobilize people for the work of the church. Okay. And so that I got to go. And we honestly, because we, like, we know who John Perkins is, we were thinking this is going to be in a huge conference center, but it wasn't. It was in a little bitty old African-American church from like that was built in the 1800s. And we showed up and we were like, I don't know, maybe two of 75 people. And so I sat and I sat like on the front row and John Perkins walked down the middle aisle and I don't, I cried almost the whole time we were there because he mm -hmm. was so, everything he was saying were things that we had been processing for a long time, but we had not had someone of color speak those, those truths to us in the, in the power and the passion that he did and he just was so credible and he was humble and he was broken you know for his his on sin in his own life and at the same time calling us calling the church to be who Christ died for us to be and he was credible because he lived it and yeah we had read his books but but to hear his story come alive was quite amazing. So Kayla, mm. I'm just kind of wondering what it was like for just the two of you to be together. I mean, we were with him with a group of people. Right. So what was it like for just the two of you to sit together? It was, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had an experience quite like it, to be honest. He is 86 years old and dressed to the nines. Right? Yes. <laughs> I think Lindsay mentioned, like, is there anyone better dressed than Dr. Perkins? But, <laughs> um, he, but he sat at a table and his daughter was with us and he gave me direct eye contact like the whole time. And I don't know how else to describe it, except that I felt seen in a way that most people don't bother to, to look at you know what I mean like most yeah. most people have too much distraction going on to actually look at you and want to hear your story and want to speak into you and I was just I cried like 10 times in the interview because it was so powerful to see this man and know what he has stood for and the life that he has lived and get to 
to see him. It was like, I don't know. It was a very spirit, spirit led conversation. And I don't know. He just emanates and, and radiates Jesus and Christ's love. And it's, it was a, it was very humbling. And, and to hear him say like, I'm nearing the end of my life and I'm nearing the end of my journey and looking back, this is, this is my regret. And it was very powerful. It was a very powerful conversation and experience. And I have to say, when I asked him that question about what he's been praying, he, he leaned in and he, he moved his glasses and he was like praying. And I don't mm-hmm. know how to describe that moment moment. And you can hear he gets louder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like, it just was like coming up out of him. This, mm-hmm. this profound humility and reliance on, on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I felt, I felt very grateful to be able to to sit and to ask him questions. And I really didn't need to ask him that many questions because he could just go. <laughs> you know? yeah. But 86 years old, I mean, that's... He's seen a lot of life. Mm-hmm. And that, yes, he well, That was one of the questions that came up in our discussion was, you know, what is what has been your hope for America in your entire life? And he took his glasses off then. And he was standing up at the podium and he was looking at a room full of, of, of just diverse people. And he said this, This was my hope, you know, Mm. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, that we would be able to gather in the same church and have an honest conversation about race in America. Mm. And it was hugely profound because he is he is one of the few people who were mighty leaders in the civil rights movement who are Mm -hmm. still living, who are beginning to see Mm -hmm. some of their dreams come to fruition. And all of them, you know, obviously are not. But some of them are, and I cannot imagine what that's like for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, sometimes when you hear someone for the first time, there are, I don't know, my brain can sometimes start to look for, I don't know, not, not necessarily in an overly critical way, but like, you know, how, do I trust this person? Mm-hmm. You know, is there some way that I can discount something? Is there some way that I need mm-hmm. to like orient myself? And I feel like in the case of John Perkins, there's no, like nothing that you can use to discount what he's saying. Like you have to kind of listen. Right. It's it's like pure in a way because of what he's been through, because of his you know story, but then also the years and years of ministry and you know fighting for you know for the civil rights movement and the civil rights movement and then beyond. You I mean I don't you just have to listen. Like you just have to sit and take it in. There's no block, you know, to put in your Mm -hmm. ears. So I think this is just really, I think it's because he's humble. Yeah. 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 There's like no pomp and circumstance when he walks in the room. Right. But he walks in that room and he commands it mm -hmm. with great humility. And I guess maybe that's why he does command it because he's a humble leader. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you how I first heard about him? Yeah. This is Christy, by the way. I have kind of a scratchy voice tonight, so it might be easier to tell who's who. So a couple years ago, our small group in our church did a series called For the Life of the World. John Perkins was one of the people on the video, and I was kind of like, who's this guy? I knew of a couple of the people on the video, but I didn't know all of them. And so I kind of turned around and was like, do you know who this is? And my husband knew of him. And so I started looking at him more after that. So um, I kind of came to him as, at a, from a totally different perspective. And so it's been fun to kind of, you know get to know of him a little bit better. And I'm curious, 
if someone wanted to, someone, you know, like me who maybe isn't as familiar with him or hasn't known of CCDA for quite as long, which he founded, right? Right. Where would we start? Like what should, would we, you know, is there a book that you recommend or? I would say absolutely read Let Justice Roll Down. Mm -hmm. That's That's what I was going to say too, Lori. It's his memoir. And that that was the first book I read by him. Mm -hmm. You'll cry your eyeballs out. Mm-hmm. Cool. That sounds good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. This is Shannon. I am like the newest on the Perkins train, and I didn't know about him until just a couple of months ago from hanging around you guys. Um, <laughs> and I knew of CCDA, but I didn't know, you know, who the founder was or what he did or whatever. And my parents were in town a couple of weeks ago, and my dad has always. Um, he grew up in the South, South Mississippi. During the civil rights time, he was he was just a kid at the at the height of it. So he's kind of been really interested in that and kind of advocating for that for most of his life. And so I mentioned that we were going to have him on the podcast, and my dad was like, "Oh yeah, yeah," <laughs> you know. So I was like, "Okay, okay. Well, at least someone in my family knows this guy," you know. But yeah, I'm eager to learn. I haven't I haven't read any of his books or anything. This is really my first real experience, other than just mm-hmm. like quotes and hearing little snippets of what he's done and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm already a fan. Yeah. So what stuck out to you in the interview? Um, there were several different places that I don't. Lori actually quoted one on her Instagram tonight, Uh (laughs) so I'm going to let her share that one. I mean, as the resident Catholic, I loved that he gave St. Francis a shout out. I wondered (laughs) if you would say something about that. (laughs) I was like, yes, John, yes. Uh, No, I love it. Ecumenism. Yeah, love is a gift you receive. Yes, that was, and it took me a minute to chew on that and what he meant, and then he expounded more, don't seek to be loved, love. And, mm. and in that context, I was like, oh, you know, that's so true that, that the love we give without, you know, especially in its purest form of not asking for anything in return is a gift to ourselves, too. Like, I mean, that sounds a little cheesy, but, but it really fills us up with something more pure than, than just looking to be loved, you know, kind of grasping for other people's love but when we extend it first not mm-hmm. not asking or needing it in return that's when we're filled up with a pure with the purest form of it and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I just I I loved that of don't see to be loved love and yeah I mean I'll stop there I could just ramble on about other things <laughs> but I want to hear what you guys what you guys like I feel like I need to represent Lindsay because when she was regretfully saying she wasn't going to be here she was like well pretty much if I we're on the call. I would just be saying, I love him. I just love him. <laughs> so that's Lindsay's contribution. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I know she's gotten to meet him before, right? Mm-hmm. I think she has. Yeah. I think I really liked, and I probably just because of the state of our nation right now, it was this idea that he said, you know, I don't want to just go around with the rest of my life, mm-hmm. go around you know, the rest of my life, beating people over the head. Mm. I want to go around thanking God for where he's brought me from and where he's brought me to. And I want to thank him for that. And I want to try to love people. Mm-hmm. And I think as I think about just the state of America right now, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have a fight. I don't want to have an argument. I don't want to get on social media and beat people over the head. I want my life to be a testimony to the gospel that I believe. And I think John Perkins does that with his whole life. And he has done that with his whole life. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I love that. 
I really love, I mean, I feel like he has so much, he's had such an influence on so many people as I'm learning, but I love that one of the things he said, and it was, I think loving the person next door is a pretty good start. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I think I can, I can try to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We can all do that. And I've heard him talk about the idea of how we don't have porches anymore. We don't have that culture. Mm -hmm. We have you know, garage, garages, and we press the button and we drive in and we press the button and we don't, we're not out. We're not actually getting to know our neighbors. And it it seems so simple, but I don't think a lot of us are doing it. I mean, I don't do a great job Mm -hmm. at it. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think loving the person next door is a pretty good start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's that's the hardest person to love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. You can't escape them. They're always there. Right. They see everything. I always think about how my neighbors, yes. like pretty much all they see me doing is yelling at my kids to hurry up and get inside from our car. Cause I'm like, man, I got to get to know them. It's partly just out of self-preservation, but uh, not really, but you know. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he talks a lot about loving the oppressed, but also loving the oppressors mm-hmm. and Wow, that's hard for me. But I'm like, if John Perkins mm-hmm. can do it, John Perkins, who was beaten, right. whose family member was killed, mm-hmm. who has like sacrificed so much and has been on the receiving end of so much hate, and yet he looks back and wishes that he feels guilt about not not loving enough and not being forgiving enough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Wow. So who am I to be like, I don't know. There's a lot to learn from him. Mm-hmm. I've been coming back to this conversation a lot. Mm-hmm. He talks in um, one of his books, and I think it's Let Justice Roll Down, but I, I think he also shared it when I heard him speak. But he talks about when he was imprisoned in Mississippi and the torture that he endured under the, you know, the hands of white police officers and they actually took on a fork and rammed it up his nose mm. and it was, as he was like laying on the floor of the jail it was like his it was like his Damascus Road experience with Christ and he was like he knew he had to forgive them that that was the key that was like the key to loving them mm. um and so he he got up off that floor and decided he was going to live a life of forgiveness and reconciliation and his the drum he was going to beat was going to be love at mm-hmm. all cost. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine at that moment enduring such pain and just suffering and humility that that would be on my mind at all. Mm-hmm. No. I forgive them, you know? Yeah. Right. 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 It's like one of the things that we say a lot is that God doesn't show up in the hypothetical situations in our minds, but he shows up in real time, in real space with his real grace and strength. And so it's like something that yeah. I, you know, like I tell people a lot of times, especially when people are anxious, but it's not super often that you hear someone who has not been in the hypothetical, but who has been in the real situation and they're coming back and reporting God was there in real time, in real space with his real grace and his real strength. And Mm -hmm. the result of that is that I got up off the floor and said, the rest of my life is going to be devoted to loving even oppressors, you know? Yeah. It's really encouraging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also love how he kind of paraphrased a favorite passage of scripture of mine. It's Jeremiah 29, mm-hmm. the first part, you know, like verses one and through seven, <clears throat> that we kind of just skip over. 
or this idea of, you know, your interest is my well-being. You know, if, if God has placed these people among the Babylonians, he's expecting them to seek their welfare because in seeking their welfare, it's for their own good. Mm-hmm. And, and John Perkins is so right when we think about our local communities, our neighborhoods, our cities, our state, our nation. If we spend our lives on behalf of our neighbors, it's for our own good. It's going to be for our welfare. It's, it's not what we, the American dream is going to look like, but it is, it, it is the God's dream for his people. Mm-hmm. And I love how he just worded that so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I, what stood out to me is when he said that we have to get a language of love for each other. And he said, people are looking better to me. People are looking beautiful. I feel like I'm winning when I'm speaking to someone who is different than me. I feel like I'm winning when I'm being kind to somebody who is different than me. And that's, that's pretty profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love, Lori, whatever you just said reminded me of the other part that I know you like to, that he said, suffering for others is vicarious and redemptive. Absolutely. And I like the minute I heard that, I just sort of like stopped what I was doing. And I was like, that is so beautiful mm-hmm. um, because it's, it is true. It's that we, yeah, we experience this like vicarious redemption, even if, even if it's on behalf of someone else, not even if, but because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's on behalf of someone else and just how, how beautiful that is that, that he sort of designed human relationships to work that way, you know? Yeah. Um, and then another thing when he said, that justice is a stewardship issue. I think that was towards the mm-hmm. beginning. Did anybody else mm-hmm. notice that? Yep. Yeah. 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 That yep. was like another one of those phrases where I was thinking, I want to chew on that for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just, I feel like there's so much wisdom there, a stewardship mm-hmm. issue. And yeah, I, I haven't really fully processed out what, mm-hmm. what the implications of that are, but I think that just felt like truth in my, you know, in the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we could do a whole podcast episode on that. Right. Yes, yeah. we could. You think about you know, how, how you steward your time, how, how you steward your money, how you steward your relationships. And, and are you doing that to benefit yourself or are you doing mm-hmm. it to benefit your neighbors? You know, right. Mm-hmm. And he talked a lot about that, how sometimes we we go out at service totally the wrong way. Like we don't actually care about the other person. It's more about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so he talked about his, you know, people are skeptical because could you, could you really love me? Could you really care about me? Like, you know, what's in it for you type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Like love is a gift that you receive. So uh, we would love, there's so much to unpack here mm-hmm. and we're about at the end of our time, but we would love to hear what you guys think. What mm-hmm. stuck out to you? What uh, words from Dr. Perkins are kind of percolating in your own mind? And um, I just want to end with this. And this is, you know, it reminds me there's a Switch Foot song John Foreman sings, but it's all based on Dr. Perkins and he, Dr. Perkins said it. Uh, in this interview, but he said, love is the final fight, but it's worth fighting for. And so as, as you leave, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like going into pastor as you leave, but <laughs> as you, as you stop listening and turn this off, I just, I hope that you can keep that on your mind, in your heart, that love is the final fight and it's worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. 
Guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Upside Down Podcast. Again, you can find us online at www.upsidedownpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram at Upside Down Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook too. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Upside Down Podcast.